Worried about keeping up with your fave friends all summer? Or posting every perfectly pink sunset you see? Don't sweat the connect. You can have it made in the shade with four lines of unlimited data for $100 a month. Scroll the staycation pics, find your new go-to takeout spot, or catch some rays on video chat. Whatever you and the crew are into, all the data makes it all that much better. Smile. You're on Cricket. Cricket Core acquired on four lines. Data speed limited to three megabits per second. Cricket may slow data speeds when the network is busy. Additional fees, usage, and restrictions apply. We expect a lot from our homes. They're more than a place to hang your hat. They're where you try your hand at gardening and new recipes. Rest and recharge. Work and play. And that's why at HomeAdvisor, we're committed to keeping your home up and running. Whether you need to repair an overloaded appliance or you're looking to create a backyard retreat worthy of a summer staycation, use the HomeAdvisor app day or night. And we'll find a local pro to get the job done right. Whatever you need, we'll do everything to fix your everything. Download the Home Advisor app today to get started. Hey, everybody, Tony Brisky. Obviously, things are very crazy right now, and having something to escape with mentally for our mental health is very, very important. So, what I want to do on the weekends right now, as we're all going through this, is give you some extra content on Saturdays and Sundays. We're going to release a live version of our episode that we recorded during the week through a Facebook live session. Be sure to follow us on Facebook to find out when we're doing those lives so you can call in live and participate. Also, each week, I'm going to grab an EPP episode from our archive of more than 300. We'll pick one a week and put that out there for you as well in its entirety so you have something else to enjoy and listen to. And if you like those EPP episodes and you want access to all 300 of them, uh, and there's brand new ones every single week, uh, if you want access to all of those, uh, just sign up to be an extra podcast person. If you can, it's only $5 a month. Get all the extra stuff. Ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories to do just that. These EPP ones that we're going to be dropping for you go way back in our archive uh, several, several years back. These are nowhere near the latest episodes, uh, but there's some good ones from, from many years back. So I'll shut up now. Thank you guys for listening. If you can support the program at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories, that's greatly appreciated. Hope you enjoy the audio and hopefully this gives you about an hour or so of just thinking about something else. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Yes, indeed it is. And on today's EPP bonus episode... EPP 76 of Real Ghost Stories Online, the story of a dark force that made itself known during the operational days of Waverly Hills Sanatorium and the fear that it left for generations to come. It's a good story. (laughs) It's a special one. This guy's been sitting on it his whole life and finally decided to tell it. Did did, did it say his age in there? He's 96. 96. Mm -hmm. Wow. Awesome. All right. I'm excited about that one. That's up today. Also, a joyous family event seems to stir up the spirits of lost loved ones that just want to be included. Also, a mother has a horrifying premonition that proves her children uh, proves to her children the visions she has are real. Also, what could be creepier than a wax museum? A security guard tells of experiences he had at a haunted wax museum. It's like Scooby-Doo come to real life. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that an episode of Scooby-Doo when we were kids? There was like the haunted wax museum. I, I could have sworn it there was, and it was like one of my favorite episodes. Oh. This is all just coming back to me as I'm saying this. There might be. I don't remember it, but that doesn't mean anything. I've never been to a wax museum. Uh-uh. I've been outside them. I, I, I've like walked by like the, the one in Vegas, the uh, Madame Tussauds, but I've never actually gone into a wax museum. That's the one we're talking about today. Ooh, all right. <laughs> I'm excited. The ghost of Tupac comes up and oh, no. scares everyone. <laughs> there, there's some because I've seen him like they, like because they kind of change up who's like in the entryway. Mm-hmm. That's like all I remember seeing it. Like they had his like his wax figure up in the entryway oh. when I walked by it. And like, oh, that's creepy. All right, eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is our phone number. Of course, you can also. Uh, right into our website, realghoststoriesonline.com, to share your real ghost story with us that way. So lots and lots of ways to uh, to share and be heard here on Real Ghost Stories Online. All right, our first letter today, uh, Amarita writes in, 
Hi, Tony and Jenny Bruski. My name is Amarita from New York. You may remember my story from your first Seeing Ghosts debut episode. My story was about the ghost Leonard, whose image was captured in a reflection on the China cabinet glass door. I do kind of remember that. I do too. It's a creepy, uh, creepy photo. It's where he's sideways. Yeah, he? and it's yeah. very clear. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if you didn't realize that that was a ghost, you'd be like, "Oh, why was someone standing there? That's a weird place to be standing for this photo and mm-hmm. the reflection." Um, but you can check that out in the Seeing Ghosts episode one EPPs uh, on the EPP website. Continuing on, Leonard has not been ghost busted yet, but I will keep you guys updated on that. I'm coming to you with a different story that happened about a seven, uh, about seven years or so ago. As I've said before in my previous story, we've always felt Leonard's spirit on and off over the years from since my sister and I were much younger. So it was a month of August and there were wedding festivities going about in our home at the time. Both my sister and I were in our teens and our older brother was getting married. My family and I are Hindu and our religion when you're having a wedding, you're supposed to do a religious prayer a few days before for relatives and ancestors that have passed and to sort of appease them so they'll watch over us during the wedding festivities to make sure no harm comes for anything or to go wrong. My grandparents on my father's side had passed away when I was a baby, so I never met them. They were still back in Guyana when I was born. So, for the religion, my dad had to do the religious prayer for them, which consisted of a sit-down with a priest and offerings of food and flowers, etc. So the wedding came and went. It was a joyous time in our lives. We started to get back to the normality of things, being that the busy wedding festivities were over with. Very soon after, I remember having a difficult time sleeping at night because it felt like there was someone in the corner of my room staring intensely at me. I don't know how to describe the feeling, but it was like knowing someone who you couldn't see was standing there staring. And the strange part was that I would get these questions in my head asking, Who are you? It's the strangest thing. I cannot explain how I heard the question in my head. I got instantly taken aback because it was like, Wait, you're in my house and you're asking who am I? Who are you? really don't know what to make of this, if I was crazy or had an overactive imagination or just exhausted from the wedding festivities, but this went on for weeks. Another strange detail is sometimes I get the vibe it was a man and sometimes a woman. Every night, the same thing. I couldn't sleep and I felt someone standing at the corner of my room staring at me, burning a hole through my head kind of stare. It seemed to me that the same corner always seemed extra dark and almost in a human-shaped form of a shadow-like person. It really stumped me, because how do you all of a sudden end up with someone or something haunting you and consistently being present every night out of the blue when you have lived there your whole life? I didn't tell anyone what I'd been feeling because I wanted to give it more time to be sure it wasn't just my imagination. So we already knew that the spirit Leonard is occupying some space or corner of her house, but this was something very different, different vibe and entity. Almost like a new spirit was in town. The weirdest part was this thing throwing off vibes as if they wanted to know who I was and what I was doing there. Odd, I know. The night, the same situation was happening with no fail, but I was so tired. I was having a lot of back pain due to sciatica. I'd stopped by my mom's room and asked her if she could rub my back for me and told me to go lay down and she'll come in when She's done sorting out her bills and mail. So I went to bed and fell asleep. I woke in the middle of the night with my mom sitting on the side of my bed, and I remember I was laying on my stomach and kind of groggily looked over to see who it was, and she kind of looked at me sideways with no expression, and I could see her face through the spaces of her hair that was blocking half her face. She was also wearing her pink robe as she always does before bed. Put my head down, closed my eyes, and felt her fingers touch my back, in a spider finger walking way, landing on every three times. Every time her finger touched my back, I felt static shocks through my spine on contact. Moments later, I felt her hand brush the hair from my forehead, and then nothing. I'm not sure how long after, but I remember jumping out of my sleep with a hard-hit realization in my head over and over, that was not mom, that was not mom. I had finally, finally had enough, and when I 
say I had enough, I meant I was scared shitless and had to get out of my room. So I went next door to my mom's room, and it was creepy, and I had so much anxiety because it was like a scene from a movie where you had to make the escape from bed to door before the monster under the bed could get your feet. When I got to my mom's room, I turned around and looked at the door, which was open, and you could clearly see a dark shadow figure looming at the door, towering, but it was odd to me that the entity wouldn't come past the door frame, as if it couldn't cross in. I was afraid to shut the door or go near the door, so I just turned and crawled into my mom's bed, where by my surprise, I met my little sister in bed as well. She was awake, and we sort of just gave each other a knowing look, but didn't say a word. The next morning, my sister and I asked each other what was the other one was doing there in mom's bed, and we both started sharing our stories that were coming out rapidly, and we were finishing each other's sentences about our experience, which were shockingly both too similar and we started getting excited in a yay, I'm not crazy kind of way. My sister said she too was feeling someone in her room, staring at her intensely, getting an odd vibe of wanting to know who she was. She could see dark shadow figures in the corner of her room. She also said sometimes she felt a male presence and sometimes a woman presence. What made her end up in my mom's bedroom was because she was lying awake listening to her headphones and she felt someone also brush her hair from off her forehead. She also said, on her way to my mom's bedroom, she felt someone walking right up against her back, but stopped at the doorframe to my mom's room. We were both freaked out and told my mom what was going on, and when I asked her about if she had come in to rub my back, she said she ended up falling asleep and didn't come in. My mom was pretty worked up and angry that whatever it was that was in our rooms had taken her form and came to me in a trusting form, or it could be of anything. It really angered her. We told my dad what was going on and he listened, but he didn't respond. He didn't say it was our imagination or that we were dreaming or anything like that. He sort of just listened and didn't say a word. So we assumed he didn't believe and it was a dead end telling him about it. A few days later, my sister and I had come home together from work and school and I remember we were wake walking up the stairs just talking about our days when suddenly my dad came out of my sister's room and just said, it was your grandparents. I told them to leave. They're gone. They won't bother you two again. They just don't know you, and we're curious. Then he just went downstairs. My sister and I looked at each other like, okay then. And you would not believe it. From since then, the presences were gone, as if someone just flipped a switch. It started to make sense. We never met my grandparents, nor did they get the chance to even know about my little sister being conceived, which made sense why we kept getting those, who are you, vibes. It made sense why we each kept feeling a male presence sometimes and a woman presence other times. Did they come during the ancestral offerings before the wedding or just choose not to leave? I'm not sure. Did my dad have his own experiences as well and that's why he seemed to know it was his parents and believed us without saying a word to us when we came to him about it? I'm pretty sure he did, but he would not admit it. Where in the world was Leonard's presence in all of this? I have no idea, but he's still hanging around here. Anyway, thank you, Tony and Jenny, for reading my experience. I'm a proud EPP member and really love binge listening to your stories. You both have something amazing and unique going on here, and I hope it stays in production for years to come. Tony, you make me burst out laughing randomly in public when I'm listening on my headphones. Thank you for that. Take care. I think the dad knew that it was the parents before the kids even said, anything about their experiences because mm -hmm. it was like they knew that they couldn't go into the parents room and so i'm guessing that he had had a visitation and said look you can't go into our room that's off limits you don't want to watch me and the honey no no making I mean, thunderstorms no oh, jeez. <laughs> no, I think, you know, that might be why they, sure. they knew they couldn't go in there. Yeah, I think he might have been almost, I mean, it sounds weird, but like hiding ghosts. Yeah. Like, they're there. He knows about them. They probably mainly just interacted with him. And uh, then it got to the point where they were getting more curious mm -hmm. and not listening to their son's wishes, which is a common occurrence amongst parents. <laughs> no, I mean... They had to have been listening to his wishes if yeah. they wouldn't go into that other room. Yeah, but eventually they started, you know, talking to the kids. And maybe maybe that wasn't even brought up. Maybe just thought, well, they're not going to. You know. Yeah. But, you know, they're just curious, you know. I mean, it's, it's good to know that it ended up being just dead grandma and grandpa. Right. And not, you know, dead evil demons <laughs> yeah. that are uh, are coming out. 
and I could see that being confusing. You know, it. You know, where they um, saw the 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 figure, or she saw the figure on mm-hmm. the bed, thinking it was her mom. I, I don't know if it maybe was not necessarily taking the form of her mom. Maybe it was just that's what the assumption was. Yeah. Maybe it just was how Grandma looked, mm-hmm. and that's you know what the assumption was because she expected her mom to come, and if you're just kind of groggy and oh you. It can be whoever you assume it's going to be. Sure. So thank you for sharing that story, and thank you for being an EPP. We do greatly appreciate that. Uh, 855-853-4802, our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Rebecca writes in, Hello, Jenny and Tony. I hope this finds you both well. I've written in before regarding my mother and her premonitions about a house we moved to with an old wardrobe full of paper dolls and the girl who died of leukemia that had my first and middle name. This particular story happened to me a few months ago. I was in my bedroom wrapping Christmas presents for my teenage daughters. No one was home, and I was enjoying the peace and quiet, trying to get into the Christmas spirit. While I was wrapping presents, I heard three knocks on my back deck near my bedroom window. It wasn't loud, just regular knocks. I stopped what I was doing and went to the living room, seeing if someone came home and checked out the backyard. There was no one. This, in of itself, wouldn't be scary, but what happened next sort of freaked me out. My boyfriend and I were going out to dinner a few days later. The street I live on is sort of dark by my house because one of the streetlights isn't working. When we walked out of the car, I caught sight of a shadow figure, darker than dark, standing at my neighbor's garage. It was leaning over towards my house on the other side of the property line, as if it was trying to listen to the conversation in her house. This was the impression I got. Call it discernment or whatever you want to call it, but I do know without a doubt that's what was it was doing. As soon as it had seen me, it darted at lightning speed across the street and down the next street. I could see it because we are on the corner of the two streets. It took the shadow figure one second to get to the other street, Never seen anything move so fast in my life. Although I'm not sure what it was doing listening to our conversations, but I do know it can't come into the house. I'm a Christian and I pray over my house all the time. Maybe that's why the shadow figure couldn't cross a property line. I'd like to tell you both another story about a premonition my mom had that made me never doubt her. I'll try to make it quick. Around the 7th or, or 1988, I forget when, I was watching TV in the living room. My mom came downstairs, and she was upset. I asked her what was wrong, and she did, and she said that she had a very disturbing dream. As she sat down on the couch, she told me she dreamed she was walking in a field. It was filled with smoke, and she could see fire. While she was walking closer, she saw suitcases strung all over the place in debris. As she walked, she was touching things. The more she walked, the more debris the suitcases she saw. And she came upon big parts of a plane, all broken up and strung all over the field. It was white and blue. She said she could smell the smoke, burning flesh, but didn't see any bodies. She could see policemen and firemen and others running frantically, looking into the parts of the plane that weren't on fire and all over the ground. She said they were looking for survivors, and she walked among the debris. She came upon three numbers, but couldn't see the number on the plane, clearly, but thought she saw the number one really bothered her that she couldn't see the number on the plane, and even if she did, what good would it do? She kept saying, it's white and blue, the plane is white and blue. I told her if she can't really see the numbers, not to worry, it was probably a nightmare, and to try to forget it. However, during that week, we both watched the news to see if there was any report of a plane crash, but nothing ever happened. I think we both let out a sigh of relief and tried to forget about it and went on with our lives. It was about two weeks later after her dream, there was a plane crash. In Lockerbie, Scotland. It was in a field with debris stretched all over the place, suitcases strung everywhere, fire and smoke. There were no survivors, which was probably why she didn't see any bodies. She cried when she found out it was white and blue with three numbers on it, 103. I never doubted my mother's dreams after that. She recently had a dream she won the lottery. As it stands right now, Powerball is at $1 billion dollars. I called her and told her to get a ticket. You never know. I have a few surgeries that are costly and have one scheduled for this month. I hope to become an EPP soon once I get my shoulders straightened out. In the meantime, just love the show and listen to it faithfully. Thank you all 
you both for all you do and make this show amazing. I think it's uh, safe to say we all appreciate the show. Haunt you later, Rebecca. I don't know what would bother me more. Predicting the, the Pan Am flight? Well, bear with me. The ability to go to a place and to see bad things that happen there mm -hmm. or the ability to have premonitions about bad things that are yet to come. Say it again. What would be worse? Okay. Having the the sensitivity to go to a place and be able to sense and know bad things happen there. Okay. And some of our listeners are sensitive enough they can even tell you what happened. I get you. Or to have premonitions of things to come. It's kind of like a would you rather. Yeah, it is. It's a very morbid one. And now morbid with, would you rather with Jenny Bruski. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, the second, the first one, the the after shit went down version. Okay. Because then I'm not going to feel guilty. It's all about me. Okay. I think, well, really, I mean, I, I don't, because number one, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, like this. I mean, blue and white, I mean, that's a lot of airlines yeah. right there, especially at that day and age when there was multiple airlines and now there's not, there's like four major ones. Um, but uh, at that, you know, anytime you, you see something like that, what are you going to do? You, you call up the air. I had a dream. One of your planes are going to crash. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Uh, please stay in the line, sir, so we can trace this call and get your address and, and have the Secret Service show up at your house. Uh, that's essentially what would happen. I don't think the Secret Service would show up. I think it'd be the FBI, but... Yeah, I mean, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be people wearing blue outfits. No. Hi, we're TSA. Can you put your hands on the air, please? No. Take off your belt? <laughs> <laughs> right, right in your front steps. No, I mean, I'm sure it would be... But something would happen. Mm -hmm. And probably not all that good for you. Yeah. Because there's not a joke. No, it's not a joke. I had a dream that just it wouldn't go over. Um... And then you're going to be left with the guilt of, well, what should I, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'd go with number one. Okay. You? Yeah. I think probably to have the sensitivity to see what had happened in a place. Sure. As horrifying as it would be, but at least you know there's nothing you can do to change it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can actually help people find some resolution in those situations mm -hmm. when you're able to to be sensitive in those areas. The other hand, where it's it's predicting the future, you know, there's a lot of people who claim that they're able to do that. Have any of them ever truly prevented any major catastrophe? No. That we know of. Not that I know of. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's people that maybe prevented small things from happening, sure. but I don't, not that I know of. Exactly. So uh, that's just the thing. I mean, even if you do have a premonition or know some, you know, unless you have solid evidence or something, you mm -hmm. know, it's hard. And maybe I'm wrong. If someone can point point something out and, and prove that statement wrong, I'm open to it. Yeah. Um, top of my head, though, I don't know of it. Mm -mm. So I think it'd be a very scary place to be in and very sad and, and anxious place to be in, especially when you don't know when you're going to have a vision or not. Sure. And then, and then especially too, if you have a vision and then it literally does not come true and then the next one does and the next one doesn't, you don't know which one is, is going to fall into place, which one is not. That would be even more mm -hmm. anxiety ridden. So, uh, that was fun. That was a fun game, fun, <laughs> morbid game. We got to play here. Yay. We're going to play morbid Candyland after our next story. Hope you are ready for that. Roger writes in, hello, Tony and Jenny. My name's Roger. And I wanted to share my experience of a possible ghostly encounter at a time when I worked at Madame Tussauds Wax Museum in Las Vegas, Nevada. All right. I was working as a night shift security guard at the time, and mind you, this was years ago when it very first opened. My shift was 8 p.m. to 4.30 a.m., a very mundane, boring shift up until one night that I won't forget. I started my shift at this particular night like no other. The manager was locking up for the night, leaving me inside all by myself, no janitors or anyone, just me, myself, and these creepy wax figures that have some menacing smiles to them. At least to me, they did. Some time had passed, and I was reading some magazines and watching some TV when I heard what sounded like footsteps going down the hallway. I immediately stopped what I was doing and glanced at the time, and it was 12.30 a.m. I got up from my station and took out my flashlight. There are no interior lights on at night, just total darkness, and all I had for a light source was my flashlight and the small TV that slightly illuminated the front lobby. 
I was very unnerved at this point and made my way down the hall to a room where popular music star wax museum figures were housed on display. First, I didn't see anything out of place when shining my flashlight around, and then all of a sudden, I heard a loud crash coming from another room. I froze in fear, thinking somebody had broken in and wanted to vandalize or steal from the museum. I did not have a gun on me, but instead a taser, which was quite handy and worked well when faced with possible intruders. Went back down the hallway to another room where some TV and movie celebrities were housed. That's when I noticed my horror. One of the wax figures was completely toppled over on the floor and broken. There were pieces and big chunks of wax everywhere. At this point, I'm scared shitless and just wanted to get out of there as quick as I could. I phoned up the manager and explained what had just transpired, and she was furious to learn that a figure was broken and asked me several times if there was any signs of a break-in. I explained that the front and back doors were locked and closed shut. I also explained to her that I didn't see any signs of broken glass from any windows that would also signify a break-in. She told me to do a thorough check around the museum and she'd be there within an hour. After hanging up the phone, I made my way down the hallway to perform a thorough building inspection. After stopping in multiple rooms and shining my flashlight around, I didn't see anything else that seemed to be disturbed or out of place. I decided to go back to my station where my TV and magazines were, and as I was walking, I was met with the most demonic, creepiest, low, guttural, growling sounds I've ever heard coming from one, one of the rooms I had just passed. At this point... I hauled ass to my station and waited for my manager's arrival. The time passed and my manager arrived looking angry. She told me to point out where the broken figure was and when we got back to the room, we were horrified to see some of the other figures were in different positions. For example, some were facing the wall behind them and others were facing to the side instead of their original staged positions. My manager and I decided to call the police and try to confirm our suspicions. Three police officers arrived after a good 45 minutes of searching high and low for possible intruders hiding in the museum. They came up empty-handed and had no one to explain as to what happened or how it happened and also no signs of a break-in. Since then, I now work in a different job that does not include being a night shift security guard. Thank you guys for taking the time to read my story. I also wanted to note that this wax museum is indeed haunted and is featured on an episode of Ghost Adventures. Turns out this museum was once a casino run by the Mafia, and there's quite a colored history to it. Thanks again, and take care. Roger, here is a link to some highlighted clips of the investigation of Madame Tussauds' Wax Museum. It's a link that they sent us. It goes out to the uh, the Travel Channel show. I can just imagine how terrifying that would be to leave the room and come back, and they're in, pos- in different positions. That, yeah would be even creepier is if like the wax had moved and they were like literally in different positions like you know where wax figures shouldn't be uh-huh. you know what they described is like they were turned essentially yeah. what I mean is like if the arms are down and now they're up but right. they were never molded that way sure you know <laughs> that would that would be extremely Ugh. like they were coming to life mm-hmm. oh gosh yeah I can't imagine a worse well I can't see here Worst job. Okay, now it's it's a Tony. Okay. Would you rather? Okay. Would you rather be the night watchman like this position here at the Wax Museum? Or would you rather be the caretaker at a cemetery, but your house is in the middle of the cemetery? You don't have to go out in the middle of the night or anything. Your house is just in the middle of the cemetery. You can stay in your home. No need to examine it. And, and if, something be- if you're hearing noises, you still don't necessarily get out and chase anyone. You call the police. But here in the museum, you got to go and investigate. I think I'd take the wax museum job. Really? Yeah, because then I can at least go home and relax. There's no going home and relaxing for me if my house is in the cemetery. That'd be very relaxing. No. Look out with the shiny gravestones. No. Marble. I, I think that would be that would be very bothersome for me. It wouldn't bother me. No. I think I'd be good because with the with the wax museum. You have to constantly... I think you'd get used to the Wax Museum, but then you do actually have to face intruders if they do show up. Yeah. At the cemetery, vandals and stuff, you just call the police and lock your doors. Yeah. No, I still would take the Wax Museum. Take the Wax Museum? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. There we go. That wraps up this episode of Would You Rather. (laughs) 
it's kind of a fun one to play with the show. It is. I'm surprised we've never done that. Just the other uh, uh, day, uh, we had we had uh, just got back from a, a little uh, trip that we had been on, and uh, the hotel that we stayed at uh, overlooked a cemetery. It did. It did, and it was not intentional. It was just like a little, you know, budget hotel. And uh, <laughs> when I booked it, I just thought, oh, good deal. And clean, look, had good positive ratings, you know, cheap. And I was like, okay, great. And uh, so we get there, and the the first thing you see, the, the road that you, you turn into to turn into the, the hotel parking lot, there's two options. You can either go straight to the gates of the cemetery, which are right up there, or into the hotel parking lot. It's your choice. Yeah, I think you had to turn onto Cemetery Road Un- to get to the hotel. Unfortunately, we did not have a cemetery view. No, we, we had we had the two-lane highway 30 yeah. feet away. We had the two-lane highway view instead of this. I wonder if you can request cemetery view, if that's like one of those... You know, like when you check the box at the the booking website, if it's like, oh, you know, normally it's like courtyard view or Uh pool view or, you know, scenic view, something nice. Sure. You never have like cemetery view, (laughs) view of the dead, something like that. I would love to check that box. When you brought up the hotel, I thought you were going to talk about the hoverboard at the other one. Oh, God. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that the first one that we had stayed at was kind of creepy. Uh, the first thing we we notice when we we pull up is there is a hoverboard uh, on the the ground and it's exploded. And of course, people have been talking about this quite often. And they put caution tape up and everything. And I just knew we were going to drive by and there's going to be like melted feet or something on there. But no melted feet. I was going to take a picture and, and post it to Twitter and Facebook for everybody to see. But I was told not to. Yeah, Jenny killed that. <laughs> but then we walked into the hotel, and it turns out it wasn't on the street where this happened. It happened in the lobby of the hotel. No, like the second floor. Yeah, so, yeah, literally second, because that's where the lobby was on the second floor. Yeah. You walk up the stairs to get to it. And there's like the, uh, you know, like the all the remnants of the fire extinguish material that they shoot out everywhere. And there's caution tape up all over the hotel. And you're like, this is the first impression we had as we walked in. Like, oh, what uh, what happened in here? But I think we had like five hotel employees apologize. Yeah, they were really nice. I mean, and it didn't even smell bad. It smelled like burnt plastic, but that was it. But I got the feeling that it caught fire and they chucked it out the window. I wonder. Because it was, the window was open up there. And yeah. It was just kind of down on the ground. I think they chucked it out the window. They missed a toe. Did you see the toe that was stuck in the elevator? There was not a toe in the elevator. <laughs> now that would have been a souvenir. Take it back, auction it off on eBay. The toe, Tony and Jenny from Real Ghost Stories Online found at the hotel. That is so gross. <laughs> 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Would you rather it be a big toe or a little toe? I'm not going to play the <laughs> would you rather toe game. That's a fun sentence right there. I'm not going to play the would you rather toe game. I love it. Why not? What's wrong with it? <laughs> I'm going to get kicked here soon. Jesse writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. My husband and I bought a turn-of-the-century farmhouse in northwest Ohio back in 2011. It had fallen into disrepair and had been renovated by a few people here and there over the years. But when we bought it, it had big. we had big plans to restore it. We had two big dogs at the time, a German Shepherd and a Newfoundland who weighed around 150 pounds. And they slept on the floor next to us at night. Our bedroom was upstairs, and the stairwell separated the bedroom from the other upstairs rooms. One night, about a week after we moved in, we four were settled into the bedroom and almost asleep when we heard and felt a huge bang on the wall by the stairs. We both shot upright, and the dogs perked up and growled. My husband ran downstairs to see who had broken in, and nobody was there. The bang shook the whole house, and it felt like someone kicked or punched the wall. Not long after that, we noticed other strange things. Above our headboard were huge handprints, and the fingertips were triangular. More showed up as time progressed. It made me think of the incubus or succubus setting on top of us that at night and resting its hands on the wall. We tried to put our hands on the wall and smear them around to see if we could recreate them, but no luck. My husband worked a swing shift, so sometimes I'd be alone in the house at night of grown up with the paranormal, so I wasn't afraid, but I'd be reading on the couch with the dogs at my feet and suddenly hear a screen door slam and heavy boots pacing around the kitchen. Caleb was at work and we were in the country, so nobody was physically there. We did not have a screen door, but the sound is unmistakable. One night when Caleb was out of town, I woke up to the back door swinging open and slamming and rain was pouring into the house. 
Since I was home alone, I made it a habit to lock the doors, then push and pull on them to be sure that they were locked up tight. Yet at 3 a.m., the damn door swung wide open in the middle of the driving rainstorm. I shut the door and went back to the couch, since I was afraid to go upstairs by myself. The heavy boots stomped back around into the kitchen and dining room for a few minutes until I said, Mr. Boots, please be quiet tonight. I don't mind if you're here, but please be quiet. The night, we're getting ready for bed, and I went to switch off the hallway light that led to the back door, and as I did, the switch flipped right in front of me. I said thank you and asked Caleb "Is that uh, if that had ever happened to him. He said yes, and he just said thanks and went on about his business. Helpful? No? It would also see a shadow figure dart from the downstairs guest bedroom towards the stairs. I'd be in the kitchen, turn around, and watch the man-shaped figure dart from room to room. I just took note and went, from, went on with the cooking. I mentioned that I was afraid to go upstairs, and for a good reason. A few nights when I was home alone, there'd be a black mass at the top of the steps. I could feel the anger he directed towards me. If I needed to walk by the stairs, I wouldn't even look up because I could just see a black column kind of vibrate and shimmer. No way in hell was I going up there. We also have a small attic with a sliding door in the ceiling. My husband came running downstairs one night with a shotgun in his hand and white as a hotel sheet. I asked him what happened and he said that the panel had slid aside while he was standing in the room. That, plant, that panel slid sideways several times over a couple year time span with no human touching it. A friend loaned us his big old and hard covered family Bible and said, just leave this in your bedroom and see what happens. We were a little nervous, but I opened the book to a random passage and we went to sleep. Woke up because I heard a voice in my ear saying, that book doesn't belong here, get rid of that book. My ear was moist as though someone had been really close and whispering to me. I had a vision that it was a woman leaning over me. We had seen a woman twice before that, and she saved my husband's life, but clearly the presence of a Bible pissed her off. One of our friends can talk to spirits, so we invited her over one night without giving her information. We just said we needed some help dealing with the spirit. Immediately, she walked to the bottom of the steps and looked upstairs, and the goosebumps popped up on her arms. She looked at me and said, Wow, he really doesn't like you. I thought, No shit. But as she went through the house, she was drawn to the top of the steps and said that he watched me from there a lot, and that the smell, and that the small room with the attic door was where he spent a lot of time. It was his special place. She also told us that the spirit was confused and that he thought Caleb was his son. We had an infant son as well, and she said he felt very protective of our son, that he wanted to be sure I was taken care of and taking care of everyone. I was a little insulted, but comforted too. If the guy hated me, but watched over my son, I could deal with that. We still live in the house, and the activity really picks up if we're going through a rough time or stressed out. Mr. Boots is allowed to stay because I don't think he's bad. I do think there are other entities in the house that need to be taken care of, though. What do you think? I think Mr. Boots is probably your almost best-case scenario ghost. Mm-hmm. You know, he's there. He's a protective spirit. Kind of pissy. Yeah, but you know, he's kind of just old and cantankerous. Sure. Um, kind of a grandfatherly spirit. And, you know, you could do worse, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. In terms of ghosts, you could. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of a fun name, Mr. Boots. Well, I like that because of the, the boot sounds. That yeah. makes sense. And it, it, it sounds kind of, you know, stern mm-hmm. and kind of like it's probably, but at the same time, kind of fun and wacky. Yeah. It's the wacky, stern, fun ghost. I wonder what the relationship will be as far as between Mr. Boots and the son as the the son gets older. I don't know. You know, if he's going to become more active or less active. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting thing. Is he going to keep watching over him? Mm -hmm. Is he going to start giving more direct advice? Yeah. I don't know. That's uh, that's an interesting one. Please do uh, keep us uh, updated as the adventure in the house continues. All right, here we are. We are up to the story now. And now our long-distance dedication. Dear Casey, uh, this is uh, the the one that we've been talking about uh, in the promos for this week's uh, episode. This is the story uh, about uh, Waverly Hills Sanatorium, and I'm excited for this one. So here we go. 
How does one come forward with such an event without facing the harsh ridicule, laughter, and glares? During that time, not one employee working inside the Woodhaven dared talk about such things for fear of being discredited. Now, I want to mention Woodhaven is what Waverly was known as in the 60s through the 80s, but it was a, it was the same facility okay. and it had been Waverly since 1910. They just tried to give it a fun Wayward Pines type sound. Yeah, and they basically did most of the same, you know, types of care and or lack of. Not as shitty as you think we are. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It is no big secret that the Waverly Hills Sanatorium is known to be the most haunted sanatorium of them all. Myself never believed in all that paranormal stuff. My wife and I are devout Christians. We just do not believe in such things. However, I most certainly do now. The Creeper is a real tangible entity. A small pocket of us had the untimely vision of this terrifying black image burned into our subconscious forever and evermore. There's no erasing this event from our minds of what we had witnessed to inside the ECT treatment room the cool August morning back in 1967. In addition, those of us non-believers would soon become believers concerning the paranormal and we would never be the same again. Most of us took this encounter to the grave. Keep in mind, we were, and even still, afraid that entity's long reach. All but one nurse who, without bad intent, let the cat out of the bag when her daughter made the fatal mistake of copying and posting a child of Woodhaven's case file on Facebook for a friend to read. This was a very private and personal file her mother had stolen and kept hidden for over 50 years. However, the story is out all over the net now, and there is no turning back, spreading much like the wildfires in California. As of August in 2015, I've been reading quite a few articles about the child, Richard, alias Shadow Eyes, on the web. In addition, I must say I expected ridicule, not support from everyone. Nevertheless, much to my surprise, many have shown support and have much fascination with this story concerning the Creeper. As an old man reaching 96, it's time I share what I know of that day way back in 1967. I'd been working part-time on the fourth floor as a nurse's aide and became good friends with the nurse, Nurse Wilson and Nurse Holland. During that period in time, I knew Albert, who was a director for a long time. I clearly remember the events in that room as if they happened yesterday. I'll only address this one paranormal incident, for there were too many to cover, and I won't be discussing any abuse taking place upon the child that week. I had no hand in that back then, and I want no part in that now. Let me start off by saying everything changed inside the entire sanatorium the very minute that child Richard walked into the building. It was very perplexing, to say the least. We were put out by the amount of squawking crows that morning, flying all around the child as he stepped out of that black Plymouth. Those crows numbered in thousands and were flying and landing all over the Waverly. I met the child in the office. They took his ID picture. The terror the child was feeling at the time was quite apparent to all of us. For being such a little lad, he had a strong presence. He seemed to me much like a cherub. I felt that what we called back then an old soul. He was a beautiful little boy, polite, always replying with yes sir or yes ma'am. He never said a word to the men unless asked a question. He was very gentle, moved, and walked about quietly, much like a cat. I remember the child made eye contact with all of us briefly. He avoided looking at us men folk mostly. His glare and those penetrating green eyes still resonate with me today. The child had a strong distrust of men. His eyes alone told the story. The child was able to see right through us menfolk. Read our minds like an open book. From then on, I stayed clear of his gaze, making sure to never have direct eye contact with him. The first time I saw this smelly black entity was on August 23rd, 1967, at around 10.32 a.m. My watch was off a bit, but close enough. Richard was wheeled into the room in his... To his, uh, for his second ECT strapped down on the table inside the ECT treatment room. The two doctors, two outside doctors I had never seen before, one male nurse and one orderly and one female nurse. I had overheard the doctors discussing upping the voltage on the ECT machine, way too much for a little child to endure. In addition, I feel that may have triggered the whole event. When they hit the on switch, the electricity hit the child. 
he let out a scream that was so loud and ear-piercing it gave me a headache. The child had spit out his rubber mouth guard, and things only worsened for him then. Dr. Buckman slapped the child in the face and scolded him for spitting out his rubber guard under the floor. Moreover, he slapped the boy in the face. The atmosphere changed on a dime. The look in that child's eyes was pure rage. I've never seen that look in a child before now. He was directing his his gaze right at the doctor, and his face turned blood red. Sweat poured from the child. His veins in his neck, neck and arms were pulsating. The child was strapped down and seemed so helpless now. It was making me sick to watch this abuse. I was about to leave the room when they hit the switch for the second time. The screaming only intensified, becoming louder and more violent. The child was screaming for his life, for his father, his mother, to God, to help him get off that table and make it all stop. I looked over at Nurse Holland. By this time, she begins to cry and started to panic for the child's safety at this point. Richard had soiled his pants, urinated on the table, and his eyes looked as though they were lit up, perhaps from the electricity. Whatever the case, his eyes were now glowing and started to bleed. He threw up all over himself and began to choke on his own vomit and white foam began to run out of his mouth, unable to scream any longer he went still. Moreover, it seemed to me the doctors were enjoying this. I wanted to call the police. The doctor said one more time, not giving the child a moment to rest or clear out his mouth. At this point, little Richard looked as though he had passed out. In addition, they hit the switch yet again and then something odd happened. The radiator in the treatment room began to clang and clang as though it were being hit on down in the basement with a hammer. Crows were flying in the window as if they were trying to break the glass. They started piling up on the outside window ledge. The sounds of the radiator and crows became louder and louder from the northeast corner of the ceiling. A black haze started dripping down to the ground. However, it was not actually touching the ground. Instead, it collected a few inches off the floor. The smell of burnt flesh, sulfur, and rotten eggs filled the room. This thing started growing in size, and within seconds, it was about nine foot high. A solid black mist started taking on the shape of having only a head and shoulder area. Then it broke that form, floated with what looked like black-gray spider webs draping behind the mist as it moved over, then shrouded the child like a big black blanket. We all heard the grumbling, terrifying, very deep tone, a broken static-like voice saying, Get out! Get out! Go from the child, leave him now. Not a one of us was able to move a muscle. We were unable to see the child through the black mist, but we were definitely seeing, smelling, and hearing this thing in action before us. I was thinking, what if that thing somehow consumes the child right before us? Talk about a lawsuit. The glass beakers began to fly off the shelves, crashing into the walls, books, papers, anything not glued down began to fly around the room. Nurse Holland hit in the face with flying glass, then fainted onto the floor. We all took off running out of the room, all of us, and I'm not proud of myself for leaving that woman on the floor. However, two of us went back with a gurney for Nurse Holland. I was able to snap, take a snapshot of the entity now standing in the doorway in the room. The entity then vanished from the room faster than it appeared. After tending to Nurse Holland, we all ended up in the chapel talking and trying to pull ourselves together. Nurse Holland was fine, just a few cuts and scrapes. She said to the doctors, I want to get little Richard off the table, take him to his room, get him showered and cleaned up, and tended to. She was ordered by the doctor, you leave that freak right where he is. That was something that none of us in that room can really ever explain. Things only worsened health-wise for some. Few died shortly after. Some quit and moved out of Kentucky altogether heading in different directions with their lives. I hear the picture of the entity, after all these years, ended up in the possession of the child, Richard. Fact, the little child's pain and suffering that morning somehow brought about the manifestation of that entity, many now called the Creeper, in front of five people inside the Woodhaven. It was clear to us all, standing in that room that morning, the entity was without a doubt protecting that child, Richard, from his abusers. No ifs, ands, or buts. To tell the truth, I was glad for that, and I feel that me and Nurse Holland, being the only ones in our hearts, were against this abuse. We fared well. However, all involved paid dearly for their part in the torment, abuse, and suffering that 
I heaped upon the child. I've gone on and lived a long, full life, as did Nurse Holland. Criticisms have continued on. Concerning these accounts, a lot of focus was placed on us people and how we viewed this entity through our own eyes. However, the doctors and professors of uh, parapsychology know better and stand firmly behind the poltergeist event, as do I. God bless Shadow Eyes, Harold. I think that was a story that was worth the 50-year wait. I do, too. I think that was great. I mean, it's terrible what happened. Sure. But to be able to share that, finally. It's one of those cases where it seems like a very scary, almost dark entity at first, but it actually turns out to do good. Mm-hmm. It was trying to protect the child. Right. And it, it makes you wonder, was this something that was following the child around, that was guarding the child, or was this something that was within those walls of that, that hospital that was looking out for its patients? And that's hard to know. And I wonder if there was something... I mean, obviously, there was something about Richard that made him different. The mm-hmm. way things, you know, happened around him before this sure. event that made me, you know, maybe this dark entity felt some kind of a connection beyond just a child being tortured. Mm-hmm. Maybe it, it, maybe the entity itself at one time had been mm-hmm. a victim of some sort of abuse or torture. Yeah. And was now there trying to prevent it from happening to another. And maybe that's part of the reason Waverly is so haunted, because things like this went on, mm-hmm. you know, and then who knows how many other entities there are like this one there. That are still there. Yeah. Just waiting, just in case. I don't know. Very, very disturbing, scary, and uh, good ghost story. Yeah. Thank you for for sharing your experiences with us uh, here on the show today. That wraps up this week's EPP bonus episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Please continue to do so. We need your support to keep this thing on the air and going. So uh, don't uh, don't let up in those subscriptions. We greatly appreciate it. In fact, if you know anyone else who loves ghost stories, please consider asking them to uh, be EPPs as well so we can continue to make this show as, as good as possible and continue to offer you guys a lot of extras uh, for our EPPs in terms of video and, and audio content. So thanks again. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.